Okay, here we go. It is Monday again, season three, episode three, Carbiz Chronicles, the wonderful women of the Carbiz. Man, I'm bringing you an OG of the internet world. Look, I've made it clear that I'm trying to connect with people who get the journey of the car business, but from the female perspective, almost the same one that I had. Well, guess what? I got damn close today. Uh, you're gonna. This episode is mirroring my life in this business. Um, she probably had better ownership than I did. Uh, doesn't matter. We ended up, you know, certainly in the same places. Although Renee is. Renee is the, the marketing director of Davis Moore and one of the most genuine, authentic human beings I've got the pleasure of dealing with. Uh, she's a client of us here at Carbiz, uh, but we don't have clients. We have partners. And the reason we have partners is because we partner with people like this. So grab your team because she talks all about her team. You should probably have your team listen to this too. A pen, a paper, and you're going to need about 50 minutes, but break it up into two episodes, binge watch it over the weekend, whatever you need to do, go out. Have fun. Thank you so much. And we'll see you again next week. Enjoy, Renee. All right, everybody. Welcome into another Car Biz Chronicles, episode three, season three. The wonderful women of automotive continues with, yeah, you guessed it, yet another wonderful woman. Um, look, I was able to meet this next guest through a mutual friend of ours. Thank you, Dave Lennon. For all that you've ever done. I appreciate it. This was back when people met in person at conferences. Um, and so I met uh, my next guest, Renee, from Davis Moore. Renee, how are you? I am good. How are you? Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so much for doing the show. You're an absolute rock star. I can't wait for people to hear from you. Um, Dave Lemon, you've known him longer than I, but I, I like you gave him the round of applause. So yes. thank you, Dave. Yes. You're, uh, you're, you're, you're hardcore. We love you. So Renee, let's get started here. I know you're a busy woman, so I want to jump right into it. We start all these shows off the same way. Tell us the origin story of Renee and the wonderful world that is the car business. How did you get here and, and how did the evolution go? Oh, okay. So I actually started in the car biz in uh, early 2000. So I, I had worked in the manufactured housing industry. Previous to that, for about seven years, I did sales, finance, I was GM, did all of that. Um, the hours were excruciating in that industry. Um, and at that point in my life, I had four children and decided that it was time to make a career move. Um, I wasn't sure where I wanted to go or what I wanted to do, but it honestly kind of landed in my lap. Um, I knew a few people that worked here at Davis Moore. I'd always had my car serviced here. This is where I purchased all my vehicles. Um, and so I had heard through the grapevine that they were looking for somebody to come in and kind of build their first website and do this thing called the internet. <laughs> and they, so I came in, I interviewed, they were like, I mean, the OEMs are telling us we have to have this, you know, um, and we have no idea what to do. Are you interested? And I said, well, I mean, let's go for it. So that's kind of how it began. Began. So I kind of always say I, I birthed Davis Moore's first website. Look, amongst that, you have four children. At the time, number five are. came. Yeah, you, number, number you five fifth, came right? later. Yeah, and then you added more store dealership websites, right? So it was oh. its way from there. That's the 2000s. So you know, I make this joke all the time to date myself, but then you remember getting fast internet leads because I guarantee. When you got to the business in 2000, you were not a marketing anything. 
you were the internet whatever people could make of you, correct? I mean, you were you were probably wearing a million hats in the beginning, right? Oh, that's an understatement. I was the one-man show. I mean, come on. I mean, not only was I building the website, you know, and maintaining the website, I had to figure out how to get cars on the website. Thank God yeah. for my friends, my, my boys, you know, that yeah. I've known for years, you know, that were with um, dealer specialties that would come out and sticker the cars and they helped me figure out how to get, you know, the cars online. And then the very first kind of lead gen, you know, well before Auto Trader or car, you might even remember this one is stoneage.com. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So Stone Age. And so I made good, good connections with those guys. They actually flew me out to Detroit, um, like in 2001, 2002. Um, and I got to, uh, go out there and, you know, kind of be, be part of a, a pilot program and it, anyway, so yes, so I did that and then, you know, had to figure out, you know, how to get the leads, you know, answered. So I was answering the leads. I was making the phone calls. Um, you know, you were doing it all, anything I had to do. I'd sell them front to back. If I had to, there were many Saturdays I came in and sold front to back because nobody else knew what to do with an internet lead. <laughs> right, right. An internet lead became your responsibility. This idea of the internet from start to finish. Right. And, and now we look at it. Renee, when you started, was it just one store or did you automatically jump into all? I mean, because I know you have multiple rooftops now. How did it start? All rooftops. I had, we set up. So what we did was we set up what I called the mothership. So back then we weren't dictated by the OEMs on what provider we could do. We didn't have any of that. It was just, you had to figure out how to build a website. So it was just davismore.com, you know, and then I figured out little by little, you know, how to, how to upload all the inventory for all the stores you know, and that's kind of how it worked. But I was I was working for all of our stores right out of the chute. That's interesting that you say that because I remember in one of the uh, articles that I've read on you as far as you being recognized for certain things throughout the years, one of the things that stood out to me was that you talked about networking as a way to, to expand your knowledge base. Absolutely. That sounds like something you've done from the very beginning, right? I mean, that, that, that to me, that's how I did it, right? The guys at Dealer Skins, right? You know the name, those Dealer Skins websites where they had shit driving on the screen and snow falling and all this fun stuff. Um, you made relationships with those people because they, they was cutting edge at the time and then they led you to the next person. Is that a big part of the success for you, Renee, this far down the line is, is the people you hold in your court? It's been a huge part of my success. I mean, the relationship building is what it's all about. And I would not, I can truly say without a shot of a doubt, I'm not sure I would have survived had I not networked and gotten to know the people that I went. I have faithfully and every year gone to an ADA, digital dealer. I've met these vendors. I've networked with people. I've networked with other dealers, sat through hundreds of roundtable discussions, you know, at digital dealers and working with other, because let's, let's be real, how you run a multi-point store is very different than a single point store, you know, and it's very different because things are, it, it's just not the same. You no, know? Especially, so, especially three different totally manufacturers, right? It'd oh. be different if you had, you know, two of the same, like a Honda Acura, whatever, whatever. You have three completely different entities, two of which compete with each other across oh. a lot of the model lines that they have. And then another brand that you're the only representative within, you know, 700 miles. So exactly. it's, it's, it's just not, they're not, they're not the same games. When, when you started in 2000, 2001, and like me, you were having to upload the inventory, take the pictures, upload the inventory. And this was before the V autos of you lazy people today. We had to go to each website, yeah. today, right? The back end of Auto Trader and put all of our cars. And then yeah, the website people and put all of our cars. 
Where did you, looking back at Renee, where did you find the time? How did you, how did you figure out how to get it all done in a day? Honestly, I, I, I look back sometimes and I don't know, sadly, it wasn't always all done in a day. And so I, you know, that's just the way that it was. I would do as much as I could, you know, and then I would go home and work from my computer at home after my five children went to bed. I mean, that's just the way of the world. And that's the way that it was, you know, I was determined that I was going to, you know, I I saw the vision. I really did. I saw it. I knew, you know, and I, I would laugh. And, and I look back now, sometimes when I would hear even people within this dealership years ago that the internet was a fad, you know, it was going to phase out, it was going to go away. And I just always had this gut that like, no, this is going nowhere. And this is going to be the way of our world 20 years from now. And you know what? I was right. You know, but not only was I over the website handling the internet leads and doing that, you know, and birthed our first website, but little did I know that I actually was kind of birthing our, our business development center too. Because, and oh, that's kind of, yeah, that's what I wanted to lead you down was because I think there was a decision made in early 2000s, 2004, 2005, where you were going to be a BDC store or an internet store. And, and, and the guys that I rolled with, they all rolled internet stores. So when I grew up in the car business in that part of the world in the West, later in the 2000s, it was, it was much different than Chicago. Chicago was already developing business centers in the late 90s because the volume was huge. The dealers had already been ahead yeah. of the curve. Um, what, what, what did your brain explode when you first thought about this idea that you were going to have to develop this totally different department? I mean, what, what was that yeah. like for you? And, and, and because I know you guys still run one today and yeah. I know, and, and I know, so you've obviously committed to it. What was the ownership discussion like when you had to sit in front of decision makers and be like, look, I know you guys will get the internet, but now I got to tell you, we need a whole different group of people to deal oh, yeah. with the internet. What, I, I what think they like? thought I was smoking some crack is what I think yeah. they thought. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, because I've, I've always been, I've always been the game changer. I mean, I've always been the one who has enforced change, you know, and, and that came with the internet and then with the VDC, because it got to a point after a couple of years, I could physically, mentally, you know, I could not do it all anymore. I was the one man show. So they let me hire, you know, another person. Then I got to hire another person, you know, but then we were, we, it was still, you know, we, we, I knew that a business development center is what we needed. I had researched it. I knew that that's what we needed. And I wanted to set it up like a call center. And when were you starting that? 04, 03? I mean, when was when was that production beginning? I think the actual like business development center. Yeah, probably 04, 04 actually. And when I got to bring on my first and then my second, and then we actually had an entire, they moved us and we had like an entire wing. Um, and there was a total of five of us at that time. You. And you're the BDC manager, right? Obviously, this is this yep. was, this so was I was the over the BDC, and by that point, you know, you're over all of the, you know, the auto traders, the car.coms. I was responsible for bringing all the vendors in, and you know, all of that. And then before we knew it, SEM, SEO came into play, and Google, and then you had all of that, and then it was social media, and it's still social media, and YouTube, and video. I mean, it just the, the, it has been never, you know, it just constantly is evolving and it's never stopped. It's probably one of the things that's kept me, you know, here because I, I enjoy learning and I like that, but it also has really kept me on my toes because you never can get too comfortable because as soon as you do, something else is changing tomorrow. Agreed. And I think that that's, I think that's what we deal with now with digital retail. I think there's a lot of the back and forth about where will it go? How will it be engaged? I think at the end of the day, you offer the option, you allow the consumer to engage as they will. 
right? Yeah. Um, we used to put QR codes. We used to use Auto Trader Magazine, okay? So, <laughs> I mean, you know, the, the, the picture guy was like, yeah, I'll put them on here and then we'll throw them up on this internet thing. I'm like, okay, fine. Um, when you started to get the Business Development Center going, I find it interesting to always talk with folks, especially in your position, about what was that first like in dealing with the floor? Because initially you would deal with the managers, you were the internet person, people figured they didn't know what you were doing, they really didn't care. But the, when, you, when you got the BDC, now you have a different level of buy-in. What was that first like and how did you sort of manage that relationship between yourself, your BDC and your desk managers? Yeah, there was, I'm not gonna lie, there was a lot of growing pains, you know? Um, and it was, I mean, I, it, yeah, it, <laughs> there was a lot of growing pains and some got it early on um, and it was really great. And then others were very combative because they always looked at it no matter what, they always seemed to have the perception, you know, that it was something that was being taken away from them instead of added to, you know, and getting them to understand that this was a team environment and the BDC was here to do nothing but enhance their sales, grow their sales departments, you know, and help and, and really fine tuning the handoff because I'm really big about the customer experience. And so when that didn't happen, um, they didn't always like that, you know, because I was all about making sure that when that BDC customer showed up, they were treated like royalty. You know, we knew the customer name, we knew who they were, we had their car ready. I mean, it was just, that's the way it was going to happen from the get-go. And so there, there was a lot of a pushback. But you realize, right? I know you know this about yourself, but you realize how far ahead you were. Yeah, I, I, now I do. In, right, exactly, right? Here you are in 2006, let's just say by the time it gets fine tuned, 2007, fine. Yeah. Even as late as 08, I'll give you, you're still at almost a decade ahead of people because now that's the big push is yeah. customer experience, customer experience. And because you went to all those shows for all those years, mm -hmm. you must have played a couple of crazy games of buzzword bingo because <laughs> you just go there and you sit in one show and you're like, all right, what's this guy going to talk? Okay. I already heard the buzzword. Okay. When you started going to those shows again, because you're a trailblazer in that sense, was ownership kind of like, hey, Renee, what is, is this a vacation to Vegas? Or right. again, I just, I'm really interested to see how your ownership viewed your own education. Because I think it's yeah. important people understand that. It, and honestly, I feel like that is where I, I am so lucky um, because they have always encouraged it. They have never, any, anything I've ever wanted to do, um, if I wanted to go back and take marketing classes to, 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 for a refresher, if I wanted to go to a conference, anything I've wanted to do, they have been 100% supportive. There has never been pushback and there has been nothing but encouragement. And it was awesome because I could go to these conferences and I could go and I could bring back just a plethora of knowledge to share with them, you know, and I would put together, you know, you know me, I'm, you know, I'd put together booklets and take them into the meetings and say, hey, these right. are all things I attended and this is what I wanted you to learn because it was important to me to bring back valuable information so that I could continue to educate them because that was the only way it was gonna happen because the OEMs weren't educating us. Who, no one was educating us. We had to educate ourselves. And they put that responsibility on me and I took that very, very seriously and I always have. So your, your ownership group in my, again, I haven't been here for a long time but dealing with you guys as we do, your ownership group seems to be in the 1%, right? I just, I think they, they, they seem to be the most supportive. Do you think, and it's tough to say this obviously, but do you think that you would have survived or been in this business as long had you gone somewhere else and started? Tough to say, but it's highly unlikely. I agree. 
I think it really, I, I, I think your first because, group is really telling how long you'll stick around in this business. I think that's me. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, I, I, yes, they will make or break you for sure. You know, and if there's no buy-in, if you're coming in to be, whether it's the business development center, marketing, sales, I don't care where you are. If you don't have the upper management support, you know, and they don't allow you to grow as an individual and they're not willing to put up the time, the money and the effort, you know, to, to truly educate you and give you this, the skill set that you need to perform the job, you know, as, as, as expected, you know, then you're not going to stick around. And ultimately they're failing themselves because they have to invest in their people. They have to invest in their people. Yeah, you said it there, upper management support, and that's really been consistent here. We are in episode three. Anyone who's been watching all three episodes already probably heard that because that's how important this is. It is. To have it. And you, so you started your BDC, then you're the BDC manager, then you probably become just the internet marketing BDC manager. The title sort of evolves. Yeah. How, and, and say what you want here or say nothing, doesn't matter, but how was it for you trying to have the conversations about money? And I say that because as your job titles grew, you looked at yourself going, dude, I'm doing the job of six people. And I like what I'm being paid. It's not that it's offensive. It's just, is it in line? Renee, as a, as a female, because that's what I, I'm, I have you here because I'm trying to learn the, the mindset. How did you approach that? And what was that like for you to get into what had to have been a financial discussion at some point with all these responsibilities? Yeah, it, it, it was it was tough, you know, because you are 100% correct from the time I started my position to where it ended or not ended, but where it evolved to, you know, by 2008, nine, um, you're right. I was wearing multiple hats um, and, and doing more work really than than what I could handle, you know, um, but I did it. And so, yeah, that conversation had to come about. Luckily, I was very lucky that I had owners that saw it and I never really had to sit down and say, Hey, it's time for me to get, you know, I have um, amazing owners that always saw and believe in making sure, you know, we have yearly evaluations, sometimes every six month evaluation, sometimes yearly, um, just so that we, they can check in with us and make sure, you know, um, that everything is, is going good. So I was really lucky that I didn't have to have really uncomfortable conversations, but I absolutely was going to fight to get paid for what I felt I deserved. And, you know, we had to look at what each position was that I was doing. And these positions weren't really out there yet because like, you know, some of them I was making. <laughs> right. Right. A BDC manager, it was not really a thing in our business. So we didn't right. know what to pay it. And then if it was too expensive, we were just going to get rid of it because that didn't make any sense to us. Right. Let me ask you, why do you think the BDC came along, right? As we had a split in the road, we never had heard of the BDC previous to let's just call it 0304, at least at scale. Why do you think it happened? I think it absolutely had to happen in order to support and um, be able to take care of the internet customer. I don't think that the, 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 I'm not saying all by any way, shape or form, but the mass majority of the salespeople and the managers in this industry did not really think the internet was a big deal. Let's be real. There's still some today that don't. I mean, I mean look, look, you don't have to tell me that's my whole life. I, I totally so, understand that. So, so like, they don't get it. Look, you want to talk about the internet not being real or being important. That's ridiculous. It's just, it's so yeah. outdated of a mindset. 
but you you're saying that it was important to be able to handle the customer correctly. And that's a nice way because you're nice of saying people were lazy and not doing their jobs because if we would have been doing our jobs, we wouldn't have had a BDC. Yeah. What, how do you balance that? How, how do you balance that saying, why don't we train our salespeople versus why are we hiring a new department? I mean, that, that's always the question I get. I think because it came down to me, honestly, not being able to go around and manage all of the stores because the managers are, are busy and they're not going to be able to micromanage. They, you know, they can't hardly, let's be real, with as many hats as the managers have to wear, they also can't handle, you know, being able to make sure that their salespeople are following up with the showroom traffic, you know, or the referrals or all of those that are coming in. So there was no way they were going to be able to handle the internet because once it got up and going, we were rocking and rolling. I mean, we, we were ahead of the curve. So your volume was your volume was insane. You were you were buying every provider. You had we were you know, buy tells and auto USAs and all the fax leads on Monday we morning. That was crazy. But we were, and so you know, it got there was no way that the managers were going to be able to handle it. And deep down, my owners knew that, and so that's why they very much supported the BDC. You know, and and they and they let me be kind of the catalyst in moving forward and doing it. So that's so cool to hear. Yeah. And then, then bravo to Davis Moore ownership, I think is, is most important really? there. That's a great lesson. I, again, I really hope people understand that if you're in the car business and you have passion for it uh, and you love what you're doing, but you don't love who you work for, go find someone who you'll yes. love to work for because they're out there. You know what I mean? You may have to relocate, but they're out there. People yeah. who want great people exist. Renee, as your department grows, now you're you're a centralized BDC, right? So yes. everyone handles all three stores. Now the department has grown. It's into, actually four, and then we have a massive used car department. So, but yes, right. For I forget all of it. I always forget about them. I know, little alpha. The CJR brand of brands, you know, I forget I about know. other thing. All right, well, good. Doesn't matter. Four brands, all being dealt with out of the centralized plus the mothership of all the craziness of used cars, everything you do there. So we have your BDC, but now, because I work with you, I know this, you have the marketing department. So you have a group of people that you've been able to also grow separately and you have your own BDC manager because not your responsibility anymore, right, Renee? You're really- I oversee it. He reports to it, yes, but day-to-day operations, we now have a BDM in place, yeah. Right, so you you have that. How did you start to grow your team? On the marketing side, what became important to you and what, what do you look for in people you've recently hired? Well, I knew without a shadow of a doubt, I wanted to find somebody that was very well versed in video um, because the production costs that we were paying um, for production companies to come in and do our commercials and to do those things were really astronomical. Um, and I I knew that if I could find the, the right person who also was very kind of internet web savvy, I prayed for a miracle and I got one. His name is Austin and he is amazing. <laughs> and so I, I talked to him. We have him to thank for your wonderful setup here. As yeah, it is, he always takes such good care of us. But, you know, I looked at, honestly, I put a pen to paper last year and I looked at what we were paying in production costs monthly. Um, and, and it was from a company that was out of state. They were phenomenal, great company. But they came in, we would shoot for an entire day you know, and then they were gone. So if all of a sudden, as the OEMs do, last minute, make a change or add it in, we were kind of up the creek. We couldn't make like any quick adjustments, yeah. you know? So we just brought the whole production company in-house. 
and that's improved your turn time. The production quality may have changed a little bit, you know, given the, the scale, maybe, but probably not. Nope. No. If I got them, I, 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 I showed him what we were paying and what it would cost to get the equipment that I knew we needed, you know, to still give us the same quality that we were accustomed to here at Davis Moore. Um, and it just made sense. And in the end, it saved us thousands and thousands of dollars. Um, but And know. improved turn time, though. I mean, you took turn time down from however many days to what could potentially be hours with the right focus. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's huge. We've got more videos now, not just commercials, but I mean, he's out shooting videos all the time. Um, and that's where it's at. It's video. I mean, and he's posting got- to social media, right? I mean, that's a whole, that's the whole approach of your department. You guys are growing things organically. You know, while, while you do spend into social media, you do not spend at the rate most others spend at it, at least by percentage of your budget. And again, that information that I know um, and, and I see, but the organic piece of social has become really important to you guys um, recently. Not that it hasn't always been, but recently because of the videos. And is that because you have the in-house, Renee? Is that because you're like, look, if I've got you, then that's the job. Like, would you encourage other people in your position of three or more stores to start looking at those costs and that idea of bringing that in-house because it makes so much sense? I mean, absolutely. I mean, and the thing is, is that you can, you know, you can find people that are out there, you know, depending on how big the store is, what kind of commercials you need or what you need to do. But I mean, yeah, definitely look at it. I mean, you don't need to be paying eight, nine, 10 grand a month for production, you know, um, and granted, we cranked out a lot because, you know, we would do each rooftop, we do a used car one, and then we always do, a, you know, like a, a public safety announcement. We do a PSA because we're really, really involved in our community here, you know, um, but definitely being able to do, you know, more organic, um, kind of off the cuff, not so planned kind of video has definitely, you know, helped, especially during COVID this year. I mean, more than ever, it's it's been great for us. Yeah, I think your timing was, as always, excellent. I, again, I feel like you're just kind of sort of ahead of that curve. As a marketing director, as someone who has to prioritize looking at budgets and spends and people, how will you prepare for 21, given what 20 looked like? Like, how are you already, because you and I have already had discussions, but how are you really looking at setting up 21 from a marketing director perspective? Yeah. I mean, I think that's kind of the million dollar question that everyone's asking themselves right now. You know, I think just not making any knee jerk reactions and just continuing to just do as we've always done, you know, um, not, not go into panic mode. And that's what I love so much about, you know, our company is that even when COVID hit, um, there was no knee jerk reaction. You know, we didn't lay off a single person. Um, it was you all systems go. Didn't start cutting advertising yeah. left and right. You know, it's just it, no. it says a lot about you know my owners. It says just a lot about you know just we've 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 been through tough times before. You know, we're a sixty plus year old company. You know, and so it just takes some people who just they just understand. You know that it's it's no knee jerk reaction. You know, I heard dealers left and right. You know, here, you know, I, I have networks all over the United States. People were being laid off left and right. They were cutting advertising budgets to nothing. They were firing people left and right. And I thought, what is happening? Yeah. You know, and I just thought, and again, so blessed, so blessed to be where I'm at. Yeah, because again, I mean, look, you've been, you got in the business in 2000. So you dealt with 9-11. Yeah. You dealt with 08, 09. Yep. You dealt with 
the you know this whole thing right and, and everything that's come with it um you've said this twice now about ownership though there's no panic there's no there's no knee jerk there's no and that's just so comforting mm-hmm. as an employee you know yes. um my wife and i think about we were just talking the other day about what happened back in 0809 and how we had knee jerk reactions we look to unload all of our, you know, assets and to make sure we can have cash on hand, all this crazy shit we did. And then when this pandemic hit, we looked at ourselves and we're like, whoa, just relax. Like we've yeah. been through this. We know we're going to yeah. have flows. Renee, how do you, how do you manage your people during those times? It's one thing to say ownership doesn't panic, but people tend to panic. How is it? What have you learned about yourself managing people during the last seven months? You know, I just think at the end of the day, you know, Look, I, I manage very differently, obviously, than probably a lot of other people in this industry. But you know what? They're they're human. They're human. And they're having real human experiences just like I am, you know, just like everybody else is. And I've never treated them like they were. You know, I don't treat anybody that I work with that I whether they're my my colleague or an employee, you know, um, we're all having this experience together. And you know, it's been tough. It's been really tough on a lot of people. You know, I I have said all along, thank you. Lord, thank you that I did not have younger children at this point during this pandemic. Because remember, I have five. My my fifth and final kid went off to college this year, and that was no easy task either. But that being said, I honestly do not know what in the hell I would have done if I had kids at home and I was having to work from home and homeschool and do all of this. I mean, it, it, and it's been very difficult. You know, and people have been scared to death. They're going to lose their jobs. Like they, they, they were worried that they had to choose between their, their, their work and their families. Um, and so it's just really working together. You know, and making sure that everybody, you know, we had a plan in place. You know, and they're humans. And, and you're right. It's it's, it's one big human experience that that we all deal with. And and sure, you might have reactions to it. It happens. It's human to have reactions. Yes. Um. 21 obviously will be will be different you are in a position where you have a lot of control over what happens with your stores budgets and and kind of direction what do you see yourself let's get the budgets aside let's assume they stay even what do you see yourself looking to focus on in 21 from a marketing channel perspective like where are you it sounds like video but i want to i want to kind of make sure i'm on the same page with you like how do you are you going to go after anything differently um well video for sure um, I mean, always social media. I mean, it's just kind of really no different than 2019. There's not going to be a lot of changes or sorry, 2020. <laughs> I, I kind of just skip over 2020. I don't, I don't blame you. I get I that. We'd all just like to forget it. Totally natural. I love that. So yeah, no, let's just keep um, it as 2019. I like it. But honestly, I'm going to also, I mean, so from a marketing perspective, it's just going to kind of, not a lot's going to change. Um, but from a recruiting standpoint, I'm going to, I've always, I mean, I've been a catalyst for years going after women in this industry and, and yeah. trying to recruit. Um, but, but I'm going after them even harder this year. Cause I think there's going to be a huge opportunity to really go out and recruit some females um, into this industry over the next year. I really do. Because I think that a lot of women, unfortunately have been put in a position to where they've had to make some sacrifices, you know, with this pandemic I think it's opened up our eyes to a lot of things. Um, and also, hopefully in the automotive industry, you know, um, uh, you know, women are needed. Um, they need to be recruited. 
And I, I, I'm going to go after him because I think that there's going to be a lot of him out there to get. I look, and just so everyone's clear, that was not some built-in PSA that I arranged with Renee. Because no, it's that's true. What this whole season is about is because she's a woman who gets what the is going on around us. So I'm happy she said it. You just recently hired a new member of your team on the marketing side. I did. I did. And and how and did we, how did we arrive at Anne? So you 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 because I know you had a ton of applicants. I know you were looking at a bunch of people and who you were trying to replace. That was like. That was like your girl. That was like yeah. when, we, when I first met you, that's who we talked a lot about. And this yeah. idea, that this was, so you lost that person. It happens. We all have turnover. How did you, how did you land on end? Tell me about that process. Uh, so just went through a lot of applicants. And I mean, I was determined that I was going to, um, you know, uh, really take my time you know, because this is somebody within our marketing department who is also out in the face of the public a lot with me um, at golf tournaments and all these, you know, philanthropic stuff that we do for nonprofits. And I mean, we're, I'm out in the community, obviously not this year, but normally we're out in the community all the time. There isn't a week that usually goes by that we're not out doing something in our community. So I was very particular, but um, Anna is phenomenal and she brings some just wonderful diversity and perspective to our group. She was um, born and raised in India, actually. Um, and she came over here to go to school, um, got her, she actually had a, a degree already in engineering um, from India and then came here and got her master's. Um, and now I have her in marketing. So it's just kind of a, she has an incredible story and she's, she's brought a lot of really neat diversity to our, to our team as well. She seems to be full of energy. I will say that. Very. I just, I, I, I don't have much interaction with her. Uh, I don't see a ton from her, but she, has, she interacts a lot with me on social media, and she just seems like the kind of person who is someone you want on your team, someone who will go to battle with you. And I think yes. that's really very, very eager to learn. So let's talk about this. Let's let's tie it back into the recruitment of women. How are you going to? Okay, look, I got to be careful, right? Because I don't want to, don't want to do nothing crazy here, but. You want to go after hiring women. That's specifically what you're going to do. How does that differ from you looking for a man to fill that position? If that makes any sense, that's not what I mean. But like, how are you, are you just looking at it as, as when you say that, how are you going to do that? I guess is my look now. I mean, obviously within my team, I have equal amounts of men and women. This isn't a, a feminist thing by any means, you know, but I do think that there has, you know, I read a lot of reports through this last year is, you know, women, there are a lot of women who have stepped down from really top positions, a lot of uh, management positions in many industries, you know, because of this pandemic, you know, and they have been forced to make decisions and choose between their careers and their families, you know, and so I think that once the pandemic is over, I think there's just going to be an opportunity. I'm not saying it hasn't happened to men either. I'm just saying that if between the, I think it's affected more women you know? Um, and so I think that, you know, it, it now is the opportunity, you know, forever and a day we've known in the, in the automotive industry, you know, that, you know, our, our, our talent pools are not reflective, you know, of our customer bases, you know, and that's why I have tried so hard to recruit women into this, you know, and that's what I love about our dealership is that, you know, when, when our customers are coming in, you know, what are they seeing, you know, um, and, and that's, that's what I would ask all dealers out there, you know, um, 
you know, do you have females writing service? Do you have them, you know, working on the vehicles? Do you have service techs? Do you have them at the parts counter? You know, are they in F&I marketing sales? You know, are they sitting there as your cashiers and receptionists? You know, that says a lot to the consumer today. And you know what? The last stat I read, I just read this study this week, and it said 85% of all automotive buying decisions in the U.S. are influenced by women. 65% of service work is ordered by women. And 47% of female buyers prefer female dealers. So if we know that our consumer base is there, we better get our rears and gear at a faster pace for our talent pools. Because women like to interact with women. This isn't a, a man-woman thing. It's just, if this is what our consumer is, then our dealerships need to be more reflective of that. And, they need to and, and you come with statistics and shit. You know what I mean? You don't just talk about how you feel. You bring no. statistics as to what the, re what the real problem is here. And I got to tell you, so you break those percentages down. Let's have fun with the next percentage. How many women are in the car business by percentage at your dealership versus men? Is it 20% of your staff? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it might be a little higher than that. Okay. I'd, we'd like to see it higher. Right, but, you but your point is, your point but is, we have service writers. We have, yes. And the I mean, consumer journey is at 70 uh, of, of who actually, you know, says what's going to happen. I just want, yeah, we want it to be equal and whatever that looks like, you know, yeah. and that's what I, I, you know, is every candidate is considered, you know, I'm not saying, I mean, of course, that's not, we're not, we're not here being sexist. We don't put yeah. people's applications to the side because they're a I man. I think we just have to look at why women don't want to come into this industry in the first place. And I think it's based on the perception on how that was created originally, you know? And so dealers have to look look at, you know, like I said, their talent pools right now. And if it's, you know, 80, 90% male dominant and there's just a tiny little bit of females working in the air, but again, yet your customers are more female-based and they're the ones making more of the decisions, then it's probably time to start entertaining the idea of getting more women into that industry or into that dealership. I, I love, I love match, match your, match your talent pool basically to your consumer pool. I mean, it's, it really, it, is. Really, it really makes sense though when you say that because and my push the whole time is because, you know, people say, Sean, why would you have a season about recruiting women in the car business? Because I've been doing this a long time mm -hmm. and, and the best people that I work with, the most reasonable people that I work with are women and I don't work with enough of them. Um, I think there's, I think there's also, Renee, I think there's also a stigma, right? About uh, like women in car business, they have to be a certain type of person. They have to be, you know, no nonsense. They have to be yellers or screamers or whatever. Like it, that's just not it, right? Like you're normal. Uh, <laughs> <think> so. <laughs> as, normal as, as normal as we can be for having done this for 20 years, you're normal. Um, you talked about, you said the perception kind of of how it was. Is that what you're referencing is kind of how people think you have to be this like kind of nasty yeah. person to exist here? Yeah. I mean, let's be real. I've been in the car business for 20 years and I still get asked. I mean, I have men and women ask, oh, how do you survive in the car business? And I'll say, well, what do you mean? Yes. You know, and they'll be like, oh, aren't those guys just a bunch of, and I'm like, these people are my family. You best what? back up, you know, like these are my, but it's not. And, and unfortunately it's that perception. And, you know, I've been lucky. I can't speak for every woman out there. I have never had, you know, have I had my battles? Yes. Have I sat in rooms as a manager and a director as the only female with 30 other men in the room? 
Yeah, I have. I have. I have. Um, but what did you do? You didn't, it didn't change anything for you? It I didn't, didn't change, change anything. anything. You know, I think that from the beginning, I just, I think that when, when people say that, you know, I think that it's just, for me, it's just, I don't think you have to be a super badass and I'm certainly not a yeller or a screamer and, and all of my employees and the people that I work with would attest to that. You know, I think that for me, I just, I know what my core values are. I understand them. I work hard, you know, and I've, I've never wavered. I've never wavered. You're not my integrity, you know, not, not any of it. And I just think that you just, it's the, it's just the persona of, of the car biz, you know, and hopefully, you know, as more women get into this industry, you know, and men, because you know what, men face it too. You know, people, when, when guys say they're in the car biz, you know, there's still that stigma too for them that people think, oh, oh. you know, and, and it, it's just the car biz in general. They did Agreed. it to themselves years ago and we're all still trying to unwind it, you know, Agreed. and it's unfortunate, but I think that if we create a culture that clearly represents equality, you know, and you have a more diverse, diverse workforce, um, you know, it's going to lead to, you know, the inclusive culture. And let's be real, you know, millennials today, especially if we're going to talk about them really quick, they are attracted to diverse businesses, you know, with flexible hours. And I think that's the other thing the car business needs to, you know, really look at is you're going to have to look at some different ways of structuring your schedules and uh, not working people bell to bell. And that's also, you know, where I've, I have created my own schedules within my BDC. You know, I work with people, you know, I, I try, I build teams, you know, there's things that can be done. You have to get creative and, you know, men and women alike, you know, I mean, they're both working full time now, you know, it's rare anymore today that you find a one income household, you know, and so the responsibilities are enormous. And so why it's so difficult in the 21st century for us to say, okay, well, let's work some swing shifts or let's get creative with some of this, put them in teams, have teams on the sales board where you work as a team. I don't understand why it's so difficult. I don't. And it's you, frustrating, but we you are, you are preaching to the choir. Uh, I have no idea why I'll tell you back in the, back in 2008, 2009, when I was running stores, I would ask guys, look, I'm going to put up a cash spiff or I'm going to put up a time spiff. You can choose what you want. 70% of my guys chose the weekend time spiff. They all mm -hmm. passed on 200 hour cash in hand spiffs to have a Friday off early and come back Monday on the, on the late shift. Mm -hmm. they were, it was, it was mind blowing. And it's so stupid. It, it didn't cost me anything. Like when I grew up in Chicago car business, you'd walk in Saturday mornings, there would be a pile of money on the manager's desk. Yeah. That was how they motivated you. That is what they did. Yes, it was very boiler room, but that's what we did. That's how we got amped. After you sold the car, someone shelled you off 200 bucks in cash. You thought, this is unbelievable. This is great. You know. Now, here I am 20 years later. I'll take the weekend spiff, man. You can save your 400 bucks. I'm good. Like, I, I would rather have the time away. Renee, you, to bring you back full circle on hours, you said in your world before car business, the manufactured home business, those hours were worse. Is that how I understood uh, you say that? Yeah. I mean, I was expected, literally, I worked six days a week and, you know, I was supposed to have worked, you know, eight to five, but, you know, in that industry, much like the car business, you know, it was uh, never getting out of there at five o'clock, you know, and I had four children at the time. 
Um, yes, I had a nanny that helped, you know, but I wasn't going to have my kids, you know, have dinner prepared every night by the nanny or have that person, you know, take, you know, do the, the homework and pack the backpacks and pack the lunches. Like I, I was going to do it. I was their mother, you know? And so that was important to me. And so I was determined that I just, I wasn't going to do it anymore. And I left and they didn't want me to leave. And it was in the very end when I decided to leave that industry, they were like, no, no, no. Okay. 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 What? We'll, we'll, we'll work with you on your hours. Already too late. No, no. Already it's, too late. Had they come to you two years ago, maybe your story would be different. Yeah. Maybe. maybe. But, I mean, there, there was a lot of people for me to work those hours and raise a family. And you know me, it God family work. And it's never going to change. And it never has changed for me. It will always be in that order. Period. That's how you roll. That's you your, know, that's and you I will, that's I will, I will, who you no are, taking work home. And doing it at night after I put my children to bed, you know, but I am a mother first and that's just the way that it is. And I think my company always saw that and appreciated that and respected that, but also know that when I'm here, I give 200%. And I think you apply that mentality to your team though. I think you are the mother of your team and the people who work with you. I think we all feel that way. I say that because I'm a, I'm a, I'm a proud member of the Davis Moore team. I get, I get to be involved in things that others don't. And to me, you've always taken the approach of, look, if we're in this together, it's all of us. We're going to do this. I think it's really important. I, I want to quote you uh, to wrap this up. Um, you, had, you were featured in the uh, Wichita Business Journal. Um, and you said, it's about finding core values and understanding truly what those are. It's staying true to your authentic self. Now, this was done, I don't know, about a year ago. Renee, what a quote. Are those kind of like Renee's just words to live by in general? I mean, this is a business-related discussion, but is that sort of what this is? Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, I'm not going to waver. I, I, I think people, you know, through your own, um, finding your own authenticity and and really understanding what that is, you know, and also encouraging your employees um, to embrace that as well. Um, it's fireworks, man. I mean, it is. It's just it, it being true to who you are and understanding who you are and not being afraid. And, you know, I have had to, um, it hasn't always been easy being in this industry. Let's get real, you know, um, but those being are as being who you are is, is interesting. You know, people always ask me all the time, Sean, how do you do what you do? And blah, blah, blah. The only reason we survive as long as we have as a company is because about a year into it, I decided, we decided, all of us here decided that we weren't going to be someone different. I am who I am. I'm loud. I'm obnoxious, but I'm honest. Yeah. And I look at things as honest as I can. And it does not always favorable, but authentic self is how my business basically evolved and, and created into what it is today. So I'm with you. I'm a hundred percent with you. I couldn't imagine trying to fake my way, even through an interview like this, there's nothing about even this interaction to me that has anything but authenticity in it. And that is what I love about you. Yeah. Yeah. I think if more people embrace that, um, we, we'd get a lot further. And if more people would lead their teams like that, you know, I think, uh, a lot further. All right, let's wrap it up because I know you're busy. My last question, because I know you're already doing it, but from a female perspective, you're going to be doing the recruiting, but what words of wisdom can you give to females who may be interested in the car business? What push or confidence can you give them to give it a shot, Renee? 
you know, I would just say that, you know, they, they're, it's a great industry. You know, it is a great, I've raised five kids in this industry. I've worked this industry for 20 years and they are phenomenal people in this business. Um, you know, and I think that, like you said, you've got to find the right fit for you. You've got to find um, a dealer, you know, if that's the direction you want to go, you know, that, um, you know, absolutely supports and has a clearly defined um, <clears throat> culture that has been created, you know, um, and, and, and ask the questions about, you know, our, how do you, like some of the things we talked about, how do you feel about, you know, my growth and development and what do you have for training and, you know, look to see how many females work there now, you know, but don't be discouraged. It is a lucrative business. It's a wonderful business. Um, and it's a business that's not going anywhere because people need cars. It's not going anywhere. If somebody would have told me, honestly, if somebody would have told me that I would have ended up being in the car biz for 20 years and previous to this manufactured housing, when I graduated from college years ago, I would have been like, whatever, honestly, I would have been, I would not have believed it in a million years. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know that I would have either about you. I don't know that I would have either about you. I, I, you don't ever seem to have come across to me as motivated by money. That has no. never really seemed to be any part of your discussion. And I, I didn't even hear it in your top three of what's important to you. So assumably that never happened. I got in this business because I was motivated by the almighty dollar. That is what drove me as a young man. That is what drove me yeah. almost to my death. Uh, because I worked so hard to make sure of that, I gave up on that about, well, I started my company seven years ago. So I gave up on it then um, <laughs> and, and haven't really returned. It, it's freeing, right, Renan? When you don't, when you don't put money as the focus. And I'm not here to say that I'm rich, you're rich. That's not what I'm saying. Right. I'm saying it's, not, it's not what drives us to be in this business. And I think that's easier to be authentic when it's not the drive. Yeah, absolutely. It's not, I don't care how much money in the world you're making. If you're not happy and you don't enjoy what you're doing, a dollar is not going to mean anything. I mean, to be able to go out and buy yourself anything you want to be miserable. No, thanks. No, thanks. Nope. I'm going to find, I'm going to find the compromise and I'm going to do both. I'm going to find the company that I love working for and that pays me what I'm worth. That's what I did. Well, you've done that. And again, bravo to Davis Moore for all that they do for you. Your team is excellent. The two A's, Anna and Austin, we love them here at Carbiz. We're big fans of theirs. But most of all, we're the biggest fans of you, Renee. So thank you so much for taking your time to be on the show, to share your wealth of knowledge with folks. I cannot tell you enough how much I appreciate you taking the time. All right. Thank you so much for having me. You're the best. Thank you, guys. Uh, look, that's episode three. That's Renee. You can find her on, well, you'll see. She'll be on LinkedIn. She'll be commenting on her own. She'll probably even share it. Who knows what Austin will make her do with it. But we will have the show up. Thank you guys so much. Don't forget to tune in next week. Go out, be reasonable, and have a great day. Bye.